You're listening to Special Education Matters, a regular podcast about things that matter in special education. I'm your host, Michael Bull, and I am the proud father of a 19-year-old boy with autism. Peter Atwood is an outspoken and direct advocate in Southern California. As a prior systems analyst programmer, he was charged with debugging code and getting programs to run correctly. Today, as a full-time advocate, he sees his current work as similar to his past work, analyzing and looking for what a student needs to be successful, and then drawing up and advocating for a program that supports that student's needs. Enjoy the conversation. Peter Atwood, thanks so much for joining me on the program today. Okay. Well, there's lots of reasons that people become advocates, and I always enjoy asking that question to people. What influenced your decision to become an advocate? Well, I got hazed into the sorority, like most of us. Uh, they they pretended that my kid was suicidal and had him dragged off to a uh, mental institution, which it took us three days to get him out of there because we wanted him on drugs. It didn't happen. And he never really got back to school thereafter and, and, and so forth, but in the course of all of this, I ended up having to learn something about SPED. And so then I started so working was... for other people in 2010. And then when I got laid off from my job as a, as a programmer in 2014, basically I'd just been doing it full-time since. So that was quite an introduction to it. So you just suddenly had to gain the knowledge or look for the knowledge to figure out or understand the system then? It's happened a lot to a lot of people that I know. I'm thinking of Linda Higgins, who works in, in Chino, and they were they were ripping off her kid. They weren't doing anything for her. But when they, they when she saw the dragon kick across the parking lot, that's what made her wake up. And now you said uh, little by little you you know got into it before you uh, decided to do it more full time in 2014. Tell me about that. Like, what were some of the reasons that parents were coming to you, and what were some of the things they were saying? Well, of course, I was working not very successfully for my own kid, uh, but learning. And uh, then in 2010, somebody came to me. Uh, well, it was, it, an attorney had said, well, there's nothing you can do except just, you know, let the district crash and burn and then we'll do something about it. So they had a mediation. So they said, well, you know, like, okay, I'll go to the mediation. And uh, the district caved in mediation. Uh, it, was, it was sort of interesting because I said, well, you know, look, you know, we need the ex- we need the experience of going to a hearing anyway and stuff like that. So, you know, if that's what they want to do, that's what we'll do. So they caved and, and they gave the mom what they wanted. So that was that was a spectacular success, which I did not deserve. Uh, but that's basically how I got to work. And then I got to work on another situation uh, later on for another mom, which all worked out in the end pretty well. And, you know, some other stuff that didn't work. And. That kept on running. So um, by 2012, 2013, I, was, I knew my way around a little bit better. And then since then, of course, I've learned other stuff you need to know. You need to know, you know, the law and all that, that. But you also need to know a whole lot of different things about different disabilities. So I started meeting people learning about mm-hmm. those kinds of things. And that's really important because sometimes you can find out what's really the story and come up with something that's fairly easy. And so the district is able to actually save some money and some aggravation and stuff if they see the light also. And so the end, you don't end up having to fight. So sometimes that happens. So I like it when that happens. And would you say it's like, so in the, the first story you mentioned, it's almost like just because you pushed it, 
there was success, that you went to mediation, where maybe another family would not. Is a lot of it just doing that, just getting to that point where you're willing to push it forward and become that uh, noisy wheel for people, or is that changing and it's becoming more difficult? Well, it depends. There are districts where I've had experiences with them, and they've had experiences with me, and now they'll lead out of my hand. With those kinds of districts, I have to be careful not to make them regret doing that. So, you know, I want to make sure to get what the what the kid actually needs and everything, but I don't want to humiliate them or make them spend money that they shouldn't be spending on stuff that's useless or anything like that. But really, it becomes very easy to deal with certain districts because, you know, they have they have gotten into problems with me and the parents that I work for, and they didn't like what happened. So, or they hurt. So sometimes I get very easy situations like that. But of course, in the West End Sapa, especially in the past year and a half, they've been fighting me more than ever because they've been trying to make a point that anybody that that I work for isn't get, going to get what they need. And of course, the ones I don't work for, they don't get what they need either. So, <laughs> so that's the West End Sapa. So sometimes it's, it's, <laughs> it gets more difficult, and and then sometimes you know it's not. So that's why I need to recruit more attorneys, including Richard uh, and his people. Uh, to, to help me out, especially in cases in the West End Selpa where they want to fight about everything. Right. It makes you wonder how much of the district's actions are trying to do what they view as right versus how much they want to do to, to limit uh, people that are going and trying to get services from them or stop somebody from being an effective advocate. What do you, what do you think? Well, it's, it's hard to tell. We're a male where stupidity stops is, is a very difficult line to draw sometimes, especially since they probably overlap quite a bit. Um, but I would say a lot of times I, I run into districts where, okay, Linda Mood Bell is really expensive. And I'll tell them, look, there's no sense in getting Linda Mood Bell for the kid if the kid can't look at the paper because of the visual processing problems. And so before mm-hmm. we spend a lot of money, let's spend less money. And sometimes they'll be reasonable about that. There are certain things, though. For example, with vision therapy or even to a lesser degree, auditory work, they'll fight to the death, and it doesn't even make any sense. Uh, and they'll, they'll spend a lot more money not to do that than they, than they will just to go ahead and do it. But usually I'm right. able to work something out. And many times without a lawyer, I've had a couple of conflicts in West Covina, for example, for, with, a, with the same parent, actually, where in both cases... Uh, Adam Newman and I were able to come to a settlement agreement that got the parent what they need. Didn't have to spend a whole lot of money, but the kid is making really good progress now. So, hmm. so sometimes you know that happens. Um, but yeah, it's amazing how the stuff I can't handle is where they'll spend all kinds of money and go through all kinds of changes and endure all kinds of pain to avoid giving the kid something which will make life go better for them. Never mind the kid. I mean, if they don't care about the kid, that doesn't shock me. But they don't, that they actually uh, do harm to themselves and spend a lot of money and aggravation and everything that they could avoid just by being sensible. I'm always shocked at that. But it happens quite often. And I don't know why it is. I don't know. Sometimes I guess it's just stupidity, but it's not always. Sometimes it's just malice. Uh, and, and a lot of it I just don't understand. Right, so maybe 10 years later we can get into the heads of some of those people <laughs> making the decisions and try and figure it out. Yeah, you know, 
And that worries me because you get things done a lot better if you understand how the other person is thinking. Sure. Even if the other person is not making any sense, at least if you understand how they're thinking, you can usually find some kind of a way to address it and improve the chances of a deal. But when I run into somebody and I have no clue why they're acting like that, that's certainly a failure on my part. But it, but the, the problem is it's going to be a lot harder to work things out because I don't know where they are. Mm-hmm. And, and that does happen. Now, you've been doing advocacy full-time for around four years or so. So what would you say to somebody who was new to the idea of being an advocate and they sort of come online and and said, I want to become an advocate and help people out? What would be some early suggestions or pathways, I guess, that people should take to learn how to be an advocate and to be an effective one? Well, you want to learn everything you can from anybody who has anything useful to say, and especially if you can learn it for free. And I've learned a great deal, as a matter of fact, fighting with the district lawyers. District lawyers have taught me all kinds of useful things. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, And the districts, too. The districts lie, but that doesn't mean that you can't learn from the stuff that they say. And, and so you learn, mm-hmm. you have to learn to read their reports. You have to, and, and to try to understand them and to go through the protocols and stuff. You talk to audiologists, you talk to uh, optometrists, you talk to OTs, and you have them teach you. Most people are very interested in teaching you the details of their trade, so you get them to teach you. You can you, know, you can get a lot of free free training in in, in these types of speech and language and in 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 OT and everything else. So you learn that kind of stuff. That's important. Now, one thing a lot of people overlook that I think is very important is to learn some basic things about nutrition, for example, because I run into kids with magnesium deficiency, for example, all the time. And magnesium mm-hmm. deficiency causes things like anxiety, depression, being easily startled, uh, trouble sleeping, uh, a whole bunch of things like that, uh, which can certainly become a subject for districts to deal with as far as behavior is concerned. But I don't want to take to the district problems which are going to be resolved by half a teaspoon a day of essence salt. Uh, okay, that's interesting. And, and that happens a uh, lot. So, and so, you know, you make the small the problem smaller. I mean, you're not going to solve everything, but if you see something that makes the problem smaller, then you know, do that. It's easier to get the counselor to do it that way. <laughs> what do you, What do you find like? What do you find the now that you've been doing it a little while? What do you find the most interesting part of being an advocate? What do you enjoy about it? Well, you know, the interesting thing is it's an awful lot like what I did before, which is being a programmer. I was a maintenance programmer, and I did a lot of debugging. And mm-hmm. basically, it's a debugging job. It really isn't that different. And so it's fixing bugs. You know, what do we do to fix this situation or, you know, to fix this kid or, or whatever it is? So a whole lot of it is that. And a lot of the problems that I have with people is that they're not debuggers when they need to be. If you're going to be a physician, you need to be a debugger. But a lot of physicians hate debugging and don't want to do it. And the same thing, if you're going to if you're going to work for a district and you're going to do SPED, I don't care if you have a PhD, if you don't basically like debugging, exasperating as it is, you're not going to get any debugging done and you're going to do all sorts of stupid things to avoid debugging. And then what's going to happen is you're going to make a lot of extra problems to yourself when what needs to be done is mm-hmm. debugging. And an awful lot of what happens in SPED is what's going on with the kid. What, what is actually there? Uh, for example, if you see that you don't like the kid's behavior and you think the kid's behavior is a problem, well, the kid's behavior is not the actual problem. The actual problem is the problem which the kid is trying to solve with his behavior. 
when you talk about debugging, I mean, in a sense, there's one, there's a correct answer, right, to debugging. There's a certain way to fix it. Is it the same though in special education? Is it possible for people to agree on the how to debug something, how to fix something, how to help a kid out and provide the best services for them? Well, you know, it really isn't as far as debugging is concerned. And, and depending on who you are, different things are going to work. Uh, okay. So I had a situation. I had an abnormal termination. The Italian client, this was back, I don't know, 2010 or something like that. I don't remember what it was. And my and they sent me a dump, right? And my boss said, well, look at the dump and figure out what's going on. Well, I, I knew that I could if I could spend weeks looking at that dump and finally find out something or other, but that it was not in the end going to show me what the problem was without a great deal more work. So instead of that, I looked at the listing and I saw, I tried to see what it is that the guy had done wrong in the way he issued these calls. And it didn't take me very long to see that he'd made a boo-boo, which didn't have any direct relationship to uh, the abnormal mm. termination. But nevertheless, it was something that he did wrong and he could expect to get in trouble from doing it. So I told him to fix it. So he fixed it. The bug and the abnormal termination went away. The fact is, you see things all the time. One of the big principles that I've seen, I, I spent, you know, 35 years getting taught this in, in the world of, of uh, uh, debugging code is if you see something that's wrong, it doesn't matter if you can't imagine how it can have any re- relationship to this other thing that you're, you're not liking, just fix it and see what happens. So now, when I see this, you... hmm? oh, okay. So okay. when I see that the kid has a visual processing problem, I don't want to hear him say, well, how could your visual problem processing problem have anything to do with this other thing that's going on? Well, you'll find out if you fix it. Maybe nothing will, maybe there is no connection, but probably there is. Mm-hmm. And even if there isn't, it's going to fix something else that's going to burn you. So just fix it if you know it's there. And, right. and, and that's ob- It's going to have some you, impact at some point. That'll take you a long way. And it's amazing the stuff that happens. Look, when you're talking visual processing, you're talking that somebody has a convergence insufficiency and, and the person taps her left foot. This has happened to my wife. And, and the visual system works better. I can't tell you how that happens. Why is it that tapping your left foot is going to make your eyes focus properly? But that sort of thing happens all the time. So when you're dealing with a kid, you're dealing with a real mystery there. You can't be, you, you can't be shocked that all sorts of things that appear to be unrelated, in fact, are related. So just take care of what it is that you know is wrong, and let's see what happens. Where do you see the future of advocacy going in that? Do you see more advocates are going to be out there, or do you see that there is going to be more resistance to the idea of a parent using an advocate? Well, it's probably, probably going to be both. The fact is we need advocates because there's a lot of stuff which is not attorney appropriate, really. I mean, it's mm-hmm. bringing an attorney to an IP meeting is, generally speaking, stupid. I mean, it's just a terrible way to use an attorney's services. Uh, and, but you've got to have somebody there. So as long as you have parents that have no clue what's happening that are being ripped off, and you have other parents that know something, then the parents that know something are going to go and they're going to advocate for the parents that know nothing. And, and we have to do that all the time. So we have to have all levels of advocates with all different levels of experience and skill and so forth that are going to be helping people. And that's just always going to have to happen. And that there's more, whether there's more resistance to that or not, I don't know. Whether there is or not, we're going to need more advocacy because the need is vast and people aren't being taken care of. And there's a lot of stuff that 
advocates, even at a very low level, that know very little, can get accomplished if somebody else can't. I mean, you, know, you don't use you don't use the army for everything. Sometimes you just need a cop. Uh, Peter Atwood, thanks so much for your time today and all your views and uh, your interesting conversations. Thanks for listening to another edition of Special Education Matters. For more information, including show notes, head to our website, csnlg.com slash listen. And if you like what you hear, please uh, consider giving us a review on iTunes. Those reviews bring us lots of happiness. I'm your host, Michael Bull, and we will talk again soon.